0: This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. I'm Mashi Lipsker. Ah, guten Erev Shabbos to you all. And it's nearly Hanukkah. Of course, school's finished. The vacation is here. And it's important to think of the vacation in a Torah way, in a Jewish way. There is nothing that falls outside of Torah. And when we vacation, we do it in a particular way and, as with everything, for a particular goal. Even vacationing can be a mitzvah. It can be a mitzvah in that we're taking care of our bodies, we're renewing our spirit, giving ourselves a mental relax, a chance to switch off, but it all has to be for a divine purpose – And the ultimate purpose is to be able to plow the benefits of the holiday back into making this world a dwelling place for Hashem Himself. In fact, we are at a wonderful and very special time. Yesterday was a very important Hasidic date. Hasidic date, which marks what we call the Rosh Hashanah for Hasidus. Rosh Hashanah for Chasidus, the 19th day of Kislev, the day that the first Lubavitcher Rebbe was freed from a very, very serious imprisonment in the Peter Paul Fortress, oh, many, many years ago. And that particular imprisonment, why was he imprisoned? It was not because he committed a crime, God forbid. There was a slander brought against him. And it was accepted. He was imprisoned while they interrogated him, as it were, until eventually he was exonerated. And what was he doing? What was he doing that caused this imprisonment? Well, in truth, everything that happens in this world has to have a spiritual source. Nothing happens down here unless it's directed so from heaven. So we have to ask, how do the negative things happen if God is good and he makes everything happen? And of course, we have to understand that from every descent that God causes in this world, there is a greater ascent waiting to happen. And when we go through anything, we need to remember that everything is from Hashem And there must be great light, great potential, great advantage, something great to be achieved, to be gained from the difficulty. And the darker, the more challenging the difficulty, the greater the light that it contains. And in that way, both the Parsha and these historic events that took place so many years ago both of them share a similar message, as it were, because the work of the first Lubavitcher Rebbe was to spread the teachings of Torah, illuminated by the secrets of Torah, by Hasidic teaching. And that was because he was a spiritual grandson of the Baal Shem Tov, and the Baal Shem Tov's life's mission, which was expressed through love and through joy and through seeing divine providence and through devotion to God's world, to God's creations in a detailed way, the first Lubavitcher carried that on and actually formulated it, wrote it down. Made it available to more and more people. The Baal Shem Tov, we are told, met the Messiah and asked him, "When will you come? When will this world finally be prepared to receive godliness, as was the intention when God created the world? When will this world finally be a suitable dwelling place?" for God to live amongst us in an open way. And the Mashiach answered, when your wellsprings will spread, chutzah, to the furthest reaches of the world. And not only of the world, but that has to do with not only geographic distance, but depth, development of society, of people, to become sensitized, sensitized, to their mission in this world, sensitized to caring for other people, moving away from their natural predisposition to be selfish and greedy, grow angry, do the things which keep us small. And the Mashiach answered, when your wellsprings will spread chutzah, to the outside. And the wellsprings of Hasidus illuminate the way we think, the way we serve God, the way we pray, the way we understand life. That was the work of the first Rebbe. He worked, he taught, he sent his emissaries. And then one day in heaven, it was decided that he was going to jail. And the question was, why? And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But let's switch and look at the Parsha. The Parsha begins, Vayeshev. Jacob finally comes home. He finally comes home to the home of his father. His mother has passed away. And he lives several, seven idyllically years in the land of Canaan when trouble strikes. And this Parsha, it speaks about the challenges that he faces once he has come back to the land of Israel. And it speaks about his very special son, Joseph. It speaks about this wonderful child, orphaned, whom Jacob loves very, very deeply. For his mother Rachel has been; she was the main wife. She was the one that Jacob worked for, for his father-in-law, and for all those years. And this is the story of the legacy of Jacob, the history of the Jewish people playing it out, playing itself out through his special son Yosef, Joseph. Well, it's quite the parsha. And the word Vayeshev means, and he settled. Well, it seems that he did anything but settle. Although he arrived safely in Hebron, things after a while became very, very tumultuous, very disturbing. He did anything but feel settled. And the main one through whom the legacy is going to unfold is his son, Yosef. And we need to see who was this Joseph, and what was the mission of Joseph, and how do we, each one of us, how are we a Joseph in our lives? How do we play out, how do we step up to being a Yosef? So let's look back and see why his mother named him Joseph. Initially, she named him Joseph. And Joseph means may he add, may he add. And she said, may Hashem add another son for me. She knew there'd be 12 tribes, and she knew that there was just one more left to be born. And she said, may that son come from me. But her prayer... When she named him, may God add another son for me, actually sums up Joseph's spiritual mission in life. And his mission is that he turn another, in other words, a seeming stranger, into a ben, into a son. May God add another, a into ben. And the mission expresses itself in three ways. Firstly, to make this mundane world, which seems to be acher, separate from God, to make the world acknowledge that its source is God, to make it celebrate that it comes from God himself. This world has a divine source. So to make the world aware Acknowledge and celebrate that it isn't a mundane world, but a creation of God, which is constantly being created by God. That's our first mission, that we need to look at everything as the hand of God and the hand of a good God. Secondly, how else do we express turning another into a son? Well, Personally, when we personally come closer to Hashem, when we transform ourselves from estranged others into sons who belong, who openly express their love for their father, we have done the second part of may God add another son for me. In other words, may the other in us become a loyal son to God. And thirdly, when we reach out to those who seem to be far from Hashem, who seem to be estranged from the creator, and we reach out to them and we nurture them and we reveal to them that they are God's precious children, And we help them to realize that living according to God's plan is just natural for them. They are God's devoted children. And that devotion perhaps gets covered when we help to reveal that. That is the third part of turning another into a son. And the Lubavitcher Rebbe encourages us not to feel inadequate, not to feel incapable of helping the world, ourselves, and others to actually achieve this transformation. And he points out that when Rachel, when Rochel named Yosef, she said, may God add for me another son. In other words, we are just instruments We're just the facilitator, as it were. But when we begin this work, Hashem lovingly welcomes His estranged children home. He is so joyous. He takes great steps toward us. We should know that we are not unaided in trying to turn another into a son, whether the other be By seeing the world, which seems other. Or ourselves. How spiritual are we really? Or another person. When it's hard to see that everything belongs to God and is a son of God and is a creation of God. And we might feel like, how will I ever do this? And we need to know that Hashem more than helps us. We take the first step a very human, very limited, very finite step. And he takes giant steps toward us, bringing us home in great joy and with great, great love. And so the Parsha really is about Joseph going down into Egypt. It's a Parsha which actually speaks to each and every one of us. The Parsha begins with Joseph's dreams. And Joseph said to his brothers, please listen to this dream that I had. And he has two dreams. One takes place in the field where everybody's binding sheaves and then all the sheaves, the sheaves of the brothers bow down to this bundle of grain, which is Joseph's bundle. And then later on, It has to do with the sun, the moon, and the stars bowing down to him. And Hasidus explains that sheaves of grain are made up of individual stalks. Each one grows from its own groove. Binding these sheaves together symbolizes our first job in life. We must actually... Explore and gather together all of our capabilities, all of our talents. We must look at everything we can do and unite them in the work of holiness. Everything can be part, including our vacation, of service of Hashem. We need to see everything as one unified many things All of which can become can join together as a unified expression individually and collectively of service of Hashem. Much like when we go to sleep in order to have strength to serve God, then every second of that sleep is a voidas Hashem divine service. So the first part of our service in life is to take all these abilities symbolized by separate stalks and bind them together so they all become part of service of Hashem, of the work of holiness. Once we become that bundle, that sheaf, what do we need to do? We need to bow down. Bow down? Yes. We need to seek guidance and inspiration from a Joseph, from a spiritual leader. How will I use all of my abilities? What is the best way for me to fulfill my mission in this world? Of course, there was a second dream, and that dream symbolizes a subsequent stage in the relationship that every generation has with its leader. As we mature spiritually we reach a higher level. We begin to realize that the world around us is God's. We begin to realize that we belong to Hashem. We begin to realize that there's nobody out there that isn't part of the great, exciting work to make a dwelling place for God in this world. And once we become more sensitized, and we rise above the mundane, we rise above earthly consciousness. We actually regain our nishoma's sensitivity, our soul's original heavenly consciousness, and we shine like a star. But even on that level, we should not rely on our own achievements for inspiration. Because when you become too full of yourself god forbid when you become too aware of what you're what you've achieved it can lead to mm, a bit of arrogance stagnation becoming complacent rather we still have to turn to the joseph our spiritual mentor for further insight guidance focus and inspiration and therefore i for sure I'm so blessed to have the Lubavitcher Rebbe in my life. His guidance, his wisdom, his love, and his teachings. And therefore, at this time of the Rosh Hashanah of Hasidic teaching, when one begins to study the Holy Tanya from the beginning, one wants to draw more and more inspiration from Hasidic teaching into the Parsha. And what we need is to understand that it's a dual activity. We need to study, we need to do. And very often what we study sounds so uplifting, but it's hard to implement. And so it brings us to something that happened next in the Parsha. We're told that Joseph's brothers were plotting to kill him. They believed that he posed a threat to the future of the Jewish people. They were at a very high level, but they did not understand the potential that he possessed, which was only going to come out once he was in Egypt, sold, a servant, enslaved, imprisoned. And yet through all those descents, he was going to become the ruler of Egypt, He was going to save the entire civilized world from famine. He was going to pave the way for the Jewish people to descend into Egypt and ultimately to leave Egypt, a nation. And so the family that would go down would ultimately emerge as a strong nation to receive the Torah at Sinai, but the family did not go down till one person went down first, and that would be Joseph. Meanwhile, the brothers did not appreciate Joseph's behavior. They didn't appreciate his dreams. They didn't appreciate his criticism of them, and they did not see that everything came from a pure place. And so the brothers are going to want to eliminate him. And eventually Joseph reached his brothers and they conspired against him. They were going to kill him, but they did not intend or foresee that that in itself was going to lead to Joseph's eventual rise to power and the survival of the entire family. And Joseph's experience shows us so clearly that whether we realize it or not, everything that happens to us is directed by Hashem for our own benefit. They were going to kill him. They threw him into a pit. They sold him. We need to understand that it's foolish. It's unproductive to be angry with those who appear to be hurting us. Although they may be guilty for their actions— They can't do anything to us that God does not will. We should learn from Joseph. When his brothers came down to Egypt, he repaid their evil with kindness. He never stopped loving them, despite their hatred toward him. We'll be right back after this short break. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. I'm Mashi Lipsker. This is 101.9 Chai FM. And we're drawing lessons. From the parsha, from the behavior of Joseph, and from the way Hashem deals with us. The Torah tells us that Joseph was beautiful in form and complexion. (inaudible) Yefei toyar, beautiful form. (inaudible) Vifei mare, a beautiful radiance, a beautiful appearance. But of course, His physical beauty was a reflection of his inner spiritual beauty. And that beauty was based on his uncompromising dedication to the ideals of the Torah. Because he perfected himself spiritually, that's why he was able to fulfill the mission that God gave him. That was the mission that we mentioned before, to bring others closer to Hashem. Yosef Hashem li bein He perfected himself. He made himself beautiful. His appearance was a reflection of his spiritual station. And like Joseph, all of us are called upon to bring others closer to Hashem. Not only to see the world as a creation of God and to work on ourselves to become more and more holy, more and more sensitized to spirituality, but also to reach out to others. And in order to succeed as Joseph did, like him, we have to be beautiful. We have to be beautiful in form, beautiful in complexion. That means generally and specifically. But it doesn't mean that we have to wait until we get there, to that lofty spiritual level, before we reach out to others. Perfection is relative. And compared to those who know less than we do, we're beautiful enough to inspire them. And there is so much need for love and inspiration in the world. We don't know what goes on in somebody else's heart. We don't know the challenges people face and their suffering. We need to see anybody that God brings into our space as someone who needs us, someone to whom we can give or from whom we can receive. We need to know that it's God's hand that directs everything. At the same time, we mustn't neglect our own spiritual growth. Because others are going to notice. If we grow, they're more inclined to take our words to heart. More than our words, it's what we do. To be an example. And to be beautiful. Spiritually beautiful. One beauty treatment at a time. There's something else in the Pasha which was amazing. And that is, something which I believe I need to take into my life. And it's a story with Joseph when he was sold to Potiphar. Potiphar was the butcher. Potiphar worked for the king. And Potiphar's wife saw through astrological means that she was destined to somehow be an ancestress Of Joseph's descendants. She didn't know it was going to be her daughter. Her daughter was going to marry Joseph, an adopted daughter. He was very beautiful, and she sought to seduce him. And of course, he was a servant, and he was obviously at the mercy of his master's wife. And apparently she intimidated him with all sorts of threats, including death if he would not listen to her and acquiesce to her her attempts at seduction. And Joseph, we're told, nearly, nearly slipped. What stopped him? He was nearly there. We're told that suddenly an image of his father, Yaakov, his father, Jacob, appeared to him. He suddenly saw his father's face in front of him. And when he saw that, he understood this was a message. No matter what, resist her temptations. And all of these things that happened to our patriarchs, all of these things that are written in the Torah, Torah means guide, talks to us. Jacob's face reminded Joseph that our individual sins are not just our personal matter. You know, when we're tempted to do something, we can explain. We can rationalize. We have to understand that everything we do affects the balance of all reality, the moral balance of everything. So when we are confronted with temptation it's obvious and it's tempting that we can say to ourselves, nobody's going to know about it. And technically, it's justified. And it's only temporary that I'm succumbing to this setback. And later on, I can repent. And other such bobomysis that we tell ourselves. But if at that moment we can picture the face, the image of Jacob. Jacob also symbolizing Jewish pride, our own dignity, who we are, and get an image of ourselves as we'd like to see ourselves. Is this thing something that I would be proud of? If we can just see, do you know the image of Jacob, his father. And to remember that no matter what we do, it affects everything in the world. Our actions aren't just isolated deeds. I'm just one person. It's just happening here, in this room, at that place. Just one person, one place, one time. Our deeds have universal, indeed cosmic, ramifications. They can harm or heal the entire world. To get that perspective generally and to get it specifically at the moment of temptation is something that has been passed on to us, modeled for us by Joseph. And we have the power. We just need to draw on it. And ultimately, it's a beautiful piece in the Parsha, where Joseph is now in jail. And you can understand, you know, the wife slanders Joseph, the husband throws him into jail. Nevertheless, he doesn't sink into becoming bitter. Look what's happened to him already. He lost his mother at a young age. His brothers hated him. He's sold into slavery, not once. He's eventually bought. He becomes a slave to someone. The woman tries to seduce him, and he's thrown into jail. And he comes from a royal family. Nevertheless, he's positive. And there in jail, he rapidly rises to a position of responsibility. Not long after he's thrown into jail, Two of Pharaoh's ministers are thrown into jail as well. Pharaoh's butler and baker, his chief cupbearer, and his chief baker. And then we know the story. It is a parsha full of dreams that they each have a dream one night, and the dreams are disturbing. And Yosef notices how anxious they look, and he offers to help. So they tell him their dreams which he correctly interprets, he says to them in three days' time, you, butler, are going to be freed, restored to your position, and you, Mr. Baker, are going to be executed. And then Joseph asks the butler to speak to Paroi on his behalf, that he's there on a slander, and to try and secure his release, but the cupbearer forgets. Let's look at what happened in jail. Joseph asks Pharaoh's servants, Why are your faces so down today? Why are you so downcast? And when you think of all the horrible humiliations Joseph had suffered, it would be logical for him to become absorbed in his own pain, disappointment, angry at the world, but he did not become bitter. He remained sensitive to others and tuned into his own divine mission in life. Wherever he went, he tried to ease things and make it better. Yosef Hashem Li Bain acher, To try and help and ease others. Not only did he see their anguish, but he reached out to help them. In fact, to Joseph, everything was the hand of God. And the fact that Hashem had arranged for him to notice that someone was in need indicated to him that it was his duty to help to the best of his ability. What a lesson. God doesn't bring anything into our space, except if it's meant for us. And as a result of this seemingly minor good deed, Joseph becomes, in the next part, the viceroy of Egypt, and now in the position to save the entire civilized world from famine. And there you go. One little deed, one small good deed can have these unimaginably far-reaching results. And there's a Joseph in each one of us. And the far-reaching results can come from us. If only, if only, we take the time and the trouble to look, to step out of ourselves and to say, why has God brought this particular thing to my notice? What is it that I can do? And Joseph, of course, is the one who had even judged his brothers favorably. And Joseph is the one from whom we can learn so much. It's very important that each and every one of us remember that everything that happens to us, anything we hear, anything we see, or experience, needs to be acted upon, needs to be shared needs to be a contribution made by us or made in this world to make this world a better place for Hashem Himself. We're going to light candles if you're in the shul that lights, because they take in Shabbos at the later time. We light by 6.33. If you're in a shul that accepts Shabbos earlier, Light candles at six fifteen. Shabbos is out tomorrow night at seven twenty seven and it's the Shabbos before Hanukkah. Wishing you a Guten Shabbos, a freilichen Shabbos, a freilichen Hanukkah and a Guten Tomid.